So you didn't die on the table then during that operation? Nah, thank God. Uh, you know, I uh, I have uh, health insurance, so you know, I had all kinds of privilege. Um, uh, thanks for being willing to record this one early, my man. Uh, I know we usually record later in the week, but uh, we're going to. F- Wait a second. Did you hear that? No. What are you getting feedback? Must have been a figment of my imagination. Sorry, dude. You, is um, the podcast going to drop again? No, I think we're okay. Uh, but you said you're going the, to Florida. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to go uh, watch my sister graduate from law school, and she what part of whoa, Florida. Whoa, whoa! Don't you cannot say you didn't hear that. I I think I'm getting feedback. No, dude, dude! I swear that second time I heard it. Wait, I heard sh- that. Be quiet. Stop. Is that a? Is that a flute? <gasps> no, no, it's it's fake Indian bullshit flute. Oh God, it's, it's, it's a trophy flute, not a no, dude. Uh, run, run, Peter, run for your life! And uh, welcome back to Feature, please. Ladies, gentlemen, we we love uh, your continued patronage, and by patronage we mean the fact that you're spending your time listening to us on the internet talk about a television show that's 23 years old. Uh, my name is Joseph, and uh, Peter, uh, I appreciate the the warm wishes and the, the letting the internet know I survived my my uh, throat surgery. Um, all is well, by the way. So when the Klingons die. Even though you lived, but like the Klingons, other Klingons standing over, like they yell up at the what Stovacor to let them know a warrior is coming. You lived on the table, so I yelled out to the internet to let uh, Voyager fans know that more Voyager hate was coming. <laughs> I I appreciate that uh, uh, you would be the wharf to my Jadzia in this situation, which uh, that adds layers to our our relationship, Peter. Layers I didn't know were there. Yeah, I'd rather go with Gowron because I got some pretty good pro wrestler crazy eyes. That's true. You do. Um, especially if you like shift into juggalo mode, but we won't tell people about that part of your life. So that part of my life doesn't uh, exist. <laughs> Before you go around calling anybody a juggalo, I want to point out that you cut out that whole segment of the last uh, episode uh, where I outed you on being a brony. Uh, all right. Equally false accusations across the board. <laughs> a lot of fake news but, here, folks. You heard it first. But uh, uh, what wasn't fake news is that uh, we watched ourselves another episode of uh, of Voyager. Peter, did you want to hop right into it? Yeah, real le- legit season two Voyager, too. I don't think this is one of the Voyagers that they actually recorded last season and held over a season. Now, I didn't read much on the background. I'm just, hell, I don't even actually remember the name of it, come to think of it. Do you remember the title this of the This is season two, episode two, Initiations. And Initiations. I just watched this an hour ago because we're filming early. So this is all fresh in my mind. I didn't really have the 24 hours to ponder it and get too deep into the Wikipedias like I normally do. But yeah, season two, episode two, Initiations. And I believe this is a legitimate season two uh, episode because... They break out some new equipment, <clears throat> and I'll jump into that a little later. But they start off the episode, 
and here's my big conundrum. I, I can't nail down what kind of shuttlecraft this is. I, I was looking on Wikipedia for about that, and it said Class 2, but it's also it's a Class 2 shuttle, Type 9 shuttlecraft. I don't know. It, it's nothing I ever saw in Next Gen. It looks pretty cool, whatever. Uh, but I, I thought for sure it was a Type 6. No, it is absolutely little... not a Type 6. The Type 6 does uh, the nacelles were attached right up to the body. This one has like pylons. And for anybody still listening out in the viewer, we appreciate you sticking with us through these little super nerd moments. Um, but yeah, so oh, come on, they're here for this, Peter. I don't, I don't know what the people really are here for at all. Honestly, <laughs> like, what are you here for? Please tell us, write us at VG, please at gmail.com. If, if you're here for anything other than a bad attitude, you're going to be let down. But uh, so the ship's flying, the shuttlecraft's flying uh, with what I assume to be another bad luck committee. And sure enough, in there is the soulless Chakotay. Uh, and he's got his magic uh, fake Indian cult kit. Is that what we're calling it? You know, he's got his 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 he's got the smallpox blanket. He's got his space peyote. No, uh, oh, well, the, the, te- the, the, te- the hand vibrator. Yeah, the hand vibrator. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's got his magic space rock. Was that from the Oregon and, Trail wall map? You know, now I'm going to have to look back to see. Because it could be the same Oregon Trail wall rock. Mm-hmm. You're right. That could be. I don't... Oh, God. Now I've all this indecision. Yeah, I know. But but he's apparently off having a little solo meditation time. He's not trying to induct anybody into the cult. He's just gonna roll out in his in his shuttlecraft. He's flying out to go honor his father on his dad's death day, in the middle of the Delta Quadrant, with God knows what around. Like, you know, we're gonna jump back to some of my criticisms on season one. Do not break these fucking shuttlecrafts out. If there is a shuttlecraft being used, there is going to be a problem. Why Janeway keeps signing off on it? I get the mission critical stuff, but Chakotay wanting to just get away from the ship in hostile space and needlessly endanger himself and potentially the rest of the crew ridiculously. And sure enough, we're going to get into the trouble that is the backbone of the episode. But I want to ask you a question. Do you think Janeway is out of line and approving this ridiculous notion to go fly off to another system and observe these religious rites? I would say that if they were in the Alpha Quadrant, it would be a totally reasonable request i think um but given everything that they've run into in the delta quadrant and all of the angry alien races that are out there to kill them and the total lack of support they have i think you she would have been entirely within her rights to say hey uh commander i will happily make square away a fucking cargo bay totally empty for you or you know try and give you as much (laughs) privacy as possible but fuck you if you think you're taking a shuttlecraft into, into some ass end nowhere part of space we know nothing about with your 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 tender little ball sack just dangling out there waiting to be chomped on. Hey, Chakotay, you know, uh, Tuvok's done running his uh, live-action Starfleet boot camp for the Maquis in Shuttle Bay 3, and they've cleaned out most of the poison gases. Feel free to help yourself. What rank do you think someone would have to be on the ship before Jane was like, no, fuck you, I'm not letting you take a shuttlecraft and go cause an episode to happen? Is, is this something that Crewman Dolby gets to do? 
or is this is this a is this a high ranking officer only privilege? Yeah. Uh, hey, Cap. Uh, you know, tomorrow is the marks the anniversary of my wife's brutal <laughs> murder at the hands Rape of and murder. Cardassian raping. <laughs> Uh, I get a little cranky on that day. Can they take a shuttlecraft and just go get like rip roaring drunk out in the middle of somewhere else far away from everybody else? That'd be a good one to approve. Uh, that would be some forward thinking for Dobie, I think, and some great anger control. All right, Dobie. No, you get you get six hours of uncut, raw, safeties off uh, holodeck time yeah. to do whatever you want. And I, the only the only thing I uh, on this crew and Dolby is I don't want to know what you do in there. Yeah. Whatever it is, you delete the fucking record when you're done and you never speak of it again. And that is the only requirement. So Chakotay's folding out his... Um... I don't know, his, his voodoo kit. And uh, then they cut to another scene on a Kazon vessel, which it's not part of the Nistrum. We'll later come to find out these are Kazon Olga, which is like a different sect. And their ships apparently look like, I would say, indoor flea markets at dusk. <laughs> yes, that's, that's a good... It, you can always tell you're on an antagonist ship because it's of filthy. The, specific lack of lighting and that they haven't had maid service in a while and general smoke in the air for some reason maybe they just got uh crew members who vape heavy and that's where all that mm. yeah mm, you know it's gonna stink in there then oh god all that vape all that vape just smoke. Cotton all those candy. mouth fedoras just <laughs> out there just puffing away yeah. everyone with their bobulators just going nuts can't have that but they lay down what's going on, and uh, there's some young lad on the Kazon vessel who will come to know, named Carr, who's going to go through his rite of passage and uh, give him a chance to go out there and prove his name and uh, go after Chakotay. So this kid, Carr, goes flying off in some Kazon light attack craft and starts firing on Chakotay's shuttlecraft. Here's what I found was interesting. He starts taking shots. He has to ask the computer what's going on. The computer's like, oh, hey, we're getting shot at and hit. And Chakotay takes the time to clean up his Native American hand vibrator rock. I think there was a severed bird wing and mitts, like some furs in there. Like he let's not, fake Native American bird wing space kit. And let's fake. let's clarify real quick here, because. I think to the uninitiated, we uh, are being extremely culturally insensitive right now. All this stuff has been proven to be bullshit. I don't know. The guy who they had consulting to make sure that they were, you know, checking off all the right boxes for Native American respect and doing things uh, authentically was a fraud. I assume that everything that they're trying to pass off as Chakoteisms is all bullshit. And, uh, you know, basically we're being led to respect things that where some liar and a thief uh, abusing Paramount executives to uh, basically a snake oil salesman. So none of this stuff's real, and it's it's some guy's grandiose lies to, to get a paycheck. Anyways, so Chakotay's wrapping up all of his stuff before he bothers to get up on the shuttlecraft controls to respond to an active attack on him. I found this to be mind-blowing. I would like to uh, point out that in between the attack, you know, the initial attack and then the continuation, there was a revelation that I'm sure you noticed because I noticed. Did you notice there was a skip intro button? 
starting with this episode on Netflix? No, I did not because my daughter was climbing on my face. Well, aw, that's yeah. like a good reason to miss it, but it's there now. It's there for both of us. Thank God. So he jumps on. And a couple things go down during this attack. One, we learn that Voyager is apparently not within earshot of Chakotay. Not only did he have to like get off and leave the ship, but he had to go like way the fuck past Voyager actively being within a response distance to God knows what could happen in this hostile Delta Quadrant. Two, uh, Chakotay attempts, you know, this is once he gets around to getting behind the controls of the shuttlecraft. He starts hailing this Kazon vessel, trying to like negotiate and roll some diplomacy on him before sending out like a general SOS to Voyager. The computer, by the way, also doesn't care in sending out no SOS signals. So inevitably, when he, you know, neutralizes this ship a little bit later on, uh, of course, a few shots the Kazon kid did land, knock out their their long range communications and uh, Chakotay is basically stuck. I mean, how shitty is this Kazon craft that it took like four or five uninterrupted shots at this type whatever shuttlecraft and kind of damaged it, like damaged a few systems? And then one shot from Chakotay after pulling a sweet loop trick puts him in the hurt locker and disables his craft and forces it to explode. I want to peel back some sarcasm real quick. This is probably the coolest shuttlecraft space fight scene i think i've seen any of the star treks that is not a high bar no it's a very low bar and it drove home a couple you know uh, well a big point to me i think my biggest star trek complaint about all of the shows as a whole you know the l cars light up touch screen interface on the stuff it's so boring for piloting ships like i get the big capital class ships it's mostly the computer doing work but anytime you see like a shuttlecraft at some point there's inevitably going to be you know tight maneuvers that they have to pull off and them just like blindly rubbing some buttons is so unimpressive and boring i wish they'd have a joystick in these things especially you know when you've got a a shuttle dog fight like this where he's actually pulling off some legit moves and he's just rubbing a circle and tapping another button I always find it to be a big letdown. Are you sure you want another manual steering? That was column? a high point for me in Insurrection. I, when I was a little kid <laughs> and I saw that joystick come out, I was like, finally, you know. They're, they're... Activate the manual steering column. Yeah. Fuck, really? I also think it's a, it's a, it's a good callback. Sometimes I have a hard, not hard time. It's easy since I've been watching Star Trek for so long to fail to realize that the Federation are the technocrats that they are. And that, you know, stuff that since I've been watching Star Trek since junior high, things that are staples to the show really do need to be viewed as fantastic and unrealistic technology that would be nothing short of magic to lesser species. And I think that the shuttlecraft really do encapsulate that well. You know, you've got pretty much all of the big federation magic buttons getting checked on something roughly the size of uh you know uh an rv <laughs> an rv you know you've got yeah. uh transporters wrapped into these things replicators warp drives you know some pretty badass weaponry uh it's it's just, it's a it's a cool 
everything wrapped up into one. This is why the Federation is is badass at the end of the day. Um, it certainly is miniaturization of all the things that Kazon won. And it's a shame they kind of just don't talk about that. Uh, I kind of was surprised that upon the rewatch that it didn't come up more, that they had basically captured all of the Federation technology they wanted to acquire earlier in miniature. But before we get to that, um, you you're know, right. They, don't, they absolutely don't talk about that. Like everything I just said, yeah. it, it never really clicked into place. Like everything that makes the Federation badass, they had sitting in their shuttle bay and they just fucking squander that entire chance. Like there's not even a line of dialogue from, from, uh, the Kazon that capture him. I'm like, oh shit, we just got the fucking mother load. Like all the shit we were after in season one that the Nistrum wanted, we got it now, bitch. We're going to be the fucking King Kongs. Yeah. So anyways, Chakotay disables this uh, Kazon piece of garbage radio flyer. He starts trying to talk <laughs> to the person who was attacking him. Like, hey. He's got this idea of a Kazon in a fucking red wagon out there. Like, me, Basically you. what it is. I mean, he just bitch slaps him once. I think he only goes to, like, disable their his engines, and he ends up blowing the whole fucking thing up. Beams the kids out of there last minute. I thought for sure that this kid was going to wake up. And like uh, while Chakotay was fooling around on the computer, since you know he doesn't bother to restrain him, that like, he was going to come up and like judo chop him in the back of the neck, and that's how Chakotay was going to end up a captive or something. But they go to fly away and uh, start heading back towards Voyager. Since the antenna's down, Car, the little the young uh, Kazon kid, he wakes up, and at this point, uh, Chakotay's got some Federation issue shackles on his ass. So it's worth pointing out at this point that. Carr is being played by Aaron Eisenberg, who is far better known in Star Trek for playing Nog on Deep Space Nine. Now, I'm a huge fan of this guy for the nerdiest possible reason. He was really big into playing World of Warcraft when I was. And so he talked all about it all the time. And so I got to know who this dude was. And how old do you think Aaron Eisenberg was when this episode happened? I'm going to say 19. You would be incorrect, sir. Was he like 25? 27. No way. That dude's got to be super short. He's 50 years old now. No. Yeah. Uh, He had kidney problems when he was like 13 and had to go on dialysis and eventually had a kidney transplant. So he basically got stuck at five foot tall. And he got cast as Nog on Deep Space Nine to play across uh, Shirok Lofton, who was playing uh, Jake Sisko, as like the other quote unquote kid, um, which turned out super awkward when Shirok Lofton grew to like six foot three and he was stuck at five foot. And uh, also something about Aaron uh, uh, Eisenberg is he is in iron shape. Dude, I, I got that written down. This kid's forearms look like they're made out of like twisted steel. Yeah, he's got the gun show going. And the thing about him is that because he's had health problems his whole life, he's always like stayed in his best shape as he possibly can. And dude, he looks like he's broke. He's like mini me of Bruce Lee. <laughs> he looks like he is ready to throw the fuck down. Well, let me talk uh, about this guy since you brought it up. Uh, I really like this car character. And I think he was a high point through this whole episode and, and really made the episode worth watching in my book. 
I was hoping that by the end of it, they were going to find some reason to bring him on to Voyager. And that's what I really felt the whole episode was playing towards. And again, it's like the uh, the 37s episode. Like they're, they're getting legitimate opportunities to pick people from the Delta Quadrant up and diversify and make this crew more interesting to watch than... Cause I, Still up to this point, I don't really think they've got that many interesting characters. Certainly the Doctor, I guess Tom Paris, and then who isn't just a boring fucking... Kess is not boring. I'd say she's probably one of the more compelling characters, to be honest. And ironically, she's the one that they get rid of. But I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, There's not a lot of personality on the ship. Yeah, and and the problem is, and I think we actually touched on this the last like normal broadcast episode we put out they chose not to go the ensemble route like they that's what ds9 did and and actually aaron eisenberg's nog is the perfect character to describe that phenomenon so on that show they chose to have these non-main cast members that showed up on a recurring basis Nog was in like 40 episodes. You've got uh, Rom, who's Nog's father. He shows up a similar amount of time. Uh, You've got Garrick, who I think maybe he's in like 30 some episodes. and He's a huge piece of that show, even though he's not an everyday player. And and these recurring characters were an integral part of the series and had their own episodes sometimes. Yeah. They just decided kind of half-heartedly looked at maybe doing that in the first season. It looked like that's what the whole Joe Carey thing was and a couple of the other ascended extras. And then they just didn't. They just stuck with the main cast rather than making it more an ensemble thing. Well, I'm glad this kid had Nog going in the background because everything he did with Carr I thought was cool. And I was genuinely disappointed that by the end of this, Carr is not on Voyager uh, and I agree, man, like <laughs> these Kazon Olga costumes look like they were de- designed specifically to show off this kid's arms. <laughs> um, and let's jump over real quick. Uh, cut forward a little bit. Eventually, Chakotay, who has taken this kid captive and he's like all like, hey, you know, you should have killed me. Worse things happen than death to uh, Kazon Olga, who uh, don't die gloriously in battle. The Kazon Olga Mothership shows up, grabs Chakotay's shuttle and a tractor beam, uh, drags him on board. In the process, acquiring all of the fantastic Federation technologies you've pointed out, to which zero shits are given because everybody's more preoccupied by uh, some some teenager who failed to kill or be killed. And now they uh, are holding him in the middle of their gypsy flea market. And showing you how life is kind of on this Kazon Olga ship. It's at this point I realize that not only are these uniforms, I'm sorry, not uniforms, these these Kazon outfits designed to show off uh, this kid's forearms. <laughs> the Kazon, these Kazon Olga, they look like a bunch of white dudes with dreadlocks wearing tie-dye shirts. Like basically these guys, it looks like a spaceship full of like skeevy blood, drug dealers, right? <laughs> they do, especially in the hair. Like these are people who who don't shower. It's just I I, I feel the stank coming across the screen. Mm-hmm. That's what I that say- that's what all that that uh that smoke is. It's not vape. It's just bo floating around on there and patchouli. It's glad you brought that up. It reminds me of some of the hippies that used to penetrate my undergrad program at GW. That's what I'm telling you, white dudes with dreads and tie dye. So a key thing to uh to say about the episode from this point forward. I what I liked about it 
was all the Kazon stuff. Carr was a great character. I agree with you. I again, I kind of knew that obviously he wasn't going to be a figure, not just from Voyager, but also he's a regular on a different show. And he was clearly cast in this role because he was a mature enough actor to deliver on this role and still appear to be a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was some small scenes there at the beginning between Carr and the Kazon leader. Was that, that was, no? So so there's two like upper senior management, right? There's the leader, and then there's this other guy, Haliz. I think his name was. Who, not Haliz, the 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 main leader. Right, but but Haliz, I just want to point out, was like a dead ringer from Bob from '89 Batman, like the the Joker's main goon who pulls a pistol on uh, Jack Porkins. No kidding. Yeah, Jack Porkins no, I didn't was. See uh, that. Jack Porkins is the the fat cop with Eckert from uh, Batman 89. I don't know if it was Bob playing this Hellies guy, but it looked just like him. Hey, you know, you're the one that that registered the Tackleberry win uh, last episode from the 37th. So, you know, well, Tackleberry's a face I'll never forget, but there's there's no way that could have been Bob. Bob would have you like super. By the way, I watched all of Police Academy 2 after that episode. I just needed to. I'm sorry to hear that. I'm not. It was awesome. <laughs> okay, so there's a quiet scene between the main Kazon leader and Carr, where the Kazon leader is obviously like heartbroken at the fact that he has failed his initiation rite, and it, and is like not really wanting to punish him for it. It's a lot of like implied language. And interaction, and it's real small, and it's like a 25, 30 second interaction, and it tells you so much about those two characters' relationship and their history. And it's such a show-not-tell situation that I almost like, am I actually watching Star Trek? Are they allowing this kind of subtlety on screen? This is amazing. Yeah, and correct me if I'm wrong, prior to him actually showing up, uh, Kara's walking around this uh, flea market that they call a ship and he's pointing a different garbage staple to the wall where in fact they're calling it um, trophies and one of the trophies that he uh, there's like the one that two really stood out one was a part of the Kazon Nistrum frigate hull uh, and again the Nistrum we've been told was a section of the Kazon a Kazon tribe that's like the most violent and ruthless they're the ones with the secret decoder poison ring that they jab that dude with the neck in uh, season one. Mm-hmm. So the fact that these Olga got a leg up on like the baddest of the bad and uh, lived to tell was impressive. But then he goes over at like the last thing he pulls is a bracelet off the wall. And Carr says essentially that the guy uh, who would, you know, the scene you just described where he's like, hey, I'm sorry that, you know, brings me no joy that you're going to have to be punished for failing. But that that guy killed his uh, car's older brother, right? Yeah, I think that was his suggestion. And I mean, the impression I got was that he was also somehow related to Carr as well. Like th- there was almost familial his regret in that scene, and it and it was so short and it was so like I'm I'm harping on it because it was like it took me aback how they allowed you know, the audience just to kind of absorb that moment without telling you specifically what was going on. Yeah. 
throughout the rest of the episode, when we see like Kazon background or Kazon specific information, it's pretty good. It's just it's just everything with Chakotay that ends up blowing ass. Chakotay, speaking of which, is standing there in the middle of the flea market. And I notice for whatever fucking reason, they let this guy uh, get off the shuttlecraft with a tricorder on him. Yeah, I noticed like, that too. No that explanation as to why. Was not on him at any point while he was sitting on the ship conducting his uh, his fake ritual to contact his dead father. And it's like they're getting off and like, you, get off the vessel. And hey, grab that tricorder from that equipment locker on your way out and make sure you've got that on. It's going to be important later on. Kazan, uh, pretty, uh, pretty hospitable guys. Like uh, they say that, hey, you know, uh, car, I'm sorry you fucked up. And didn't die out in the field. And, you know, we're boys and everything. So it brings me no pleasure that we're going to have to kill you tonight. And then he's talking some uh, shit to Chakotay about how much he disrespects a uniform. Uh, fleshing out the ca- Regrettably, somehow in one episode, they managed to flesh out a Delta Quadrant bad guy race, the Kmart Klingons, way better than the Vidians. They, uh, they definitely, I don't know who... I'll have to look back and see who wrote this, but they 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 lay down all kinds of information about why the Kazon are the way they are. That it makes sense. Yeah. So they were, and they'll they'll talk about it later on. That they're the Kazon shared a homeworld with the Trabe Trabe of T R A B E, and it seemed like the Trabe had uh, their shit together, and um, you know were pretty regimented. And uh, wanted nothing to do with the Kazon. So the Kazon lived in the ghetto. The Trabe, you know, lived uh, the good life. And then all the Kazon unified overthrew the Trabe and uh, looks like probably killed them all and took their technology and went off to be space trash. And, And again, the method by which they explain all of this isn't like you get one big long exposition dump. It's. Mm -mm. Throughout the episode, they make reference to the way that they live their life and their disdain for. Authority, Federation technology and authority and you like, specifically and maybe, uniforms. And maybe this actually goes back to our criticism in, in an odd way. Like, yeah, they talk about, they hate the uniforms. They hate the regimented level of their society and they make reference of how their technology isn't welcome either. And from the background we get from the Kazon from this perspective is part of what they hated was that this, this race that they were sharing the planet with had a technological advantage on them, and their techno-barbarism is in some way is a rejection of that. Luddites. And, then, like, and, and that is almost purposeful, and maybe that it would explain why they didn't care that they captured Chakotay's shuttle. Mm-hmm. But these Kazon, super hospital, they're like, look, man, you guys are both going to die tonight. You know, you're going to get executed. But, uh, you know, hey, get Chakotay some food and a uh, car... You're going to get to eat it. My right hand on the table, like food's a big deal for the Kazon and they're very quick to share, which is interesting for a species that doesn't even have like ready access to water. So very generous. It's almost like uh, the Mongolians, uh, like the like ancient, uh, uh, you know, uh, Genghis Khan era uh, steppe people, you know, how they you know, had a sort of a hospitality, right? But they also had a very brutal warrior ethos. A hor- horrifically brutal warrior ethos. Joe, I'm going to stop you uh, right now. I think we're making the Kazon better than they deserve to be. I'm going to have to stop you right now. <laughs> well, this stop episode... fixing this episode. Stop fixing this series. 
No, don't um, worry. This episode is still garbage because Chicote manages to drag it down every time he opens his fucking mouth. Uh, he, it's not his worst work. I'll say that. So they flack back over to, to Voyager, which has finally figured out. Uh, I'm going to do you guys all a favor and skip over some snarf snarf complaining. I, I Can I just point out that... That you were glad that they're actually doing training in the holodeck instead of Cargo Bay 3 and some fucking Jeffrey's tubes? I was watching this with my wife and Stevie actually took the remote out of my hands when Snarf Snarf showed up and paused it and looked at me like dead in the eye and said, I swear to you, I swear to you, my grandmother has a pattern on her her shower curtain that's the exact same as what he is wearing on his chest right now. I mean, it's just another adventure in him finding the ugliest fucking possible replicator patterns for its clothes. But otherwise, yeah, whatever. Snarf Snarf's complaining that it doesn't get to be fucking Errol Flynn or some Six shit. Six hours later, after Voyager, after uh, Chakotay took off in the shuttle, they're like, by the way, where's Chakotay at? We haven't heard from him in a full day of work. Uh, and, you know, since he decided to fly so far away, we don't have, like, active scanning on him. You know, they they go off to investigate. I also want to point out that after Chicote rescued Carr and he's flying away, the computer is like, ding, ding, warning, enemy vessel approaching. It's like, where was this computer warning, you know, before you got jumped the first time? Did someone did you just forget to, like, turn on the enemy detection system? So they start uh, flying yeah. off. And uh, I, I don't even know what who the hell's on the bridge. At the, was there anybody that we didn't see this episode? The doctors are for like. 20 seconds. Anybody else get cut? Everybody had at least expository dialogue. Like Harry Kim had the minimal amount, but everyone was there. Yeah. So they're flying off and they're like, oh, we're picking up debris. And uh, they start listing off all the chemical elements that they're finding. And for a second, part of me just wishes that they would have found another like 1936 Ford truck <laughs> floating in fucking space. Like, what? Another, another one? one? Wow, that's like gonna, a Ford are, dealership out here. Are we going to find here. the Lindbergh baby now? <laughs> Sir, I'm detecting what? Jimmy Hoffa. So I would have respected they, the 37s more had they found Jimmy Hoffa instead of fucking Amelia Earhart on that stupid planet. They 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 cut back to the, the Kazon vessel and the Kmart Klingons are about to uh, essentially force Chakotay to kill... Kmart Nog, I don't know, uh, Kazon Nog, um, Carr, uh, and in doing so, grant him the death that he should have been given. But of course, Chakotay is just trying to preach high and mighty human ethics and uh, pulls one of those classic Star Trek fighting stunts where he drops the weapon on accident and then tackles the guy and gets the gun on his neck so that he can, you know, hostage negotiate his way out of there. So these badass Kmart Klingons who have done nothing this episode but talk about how they give zero fucks and are willing to die for glory. Yeah. Chakotay busts out some some moves out of the Steven Seagal catalog. <laughs> gets leader guy in a hammer lock. And has a gun to his head. Meanwhile, there's like six other dudes with like, you know, hobo rifles pointed at him. Like, you're telling me they wouldn't just be like, fuck it and just, you know, <laughs> there's six of us, there's one of him. And, you know, if we kill our boss in the process, promotions for us, great. They 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 instead 
acquiesce to all of Chakotay's demands to get on a shuttle and fly away. And yeah, in the process, he gets Carr to like bail and, uh, you know, jump ship on him. And they wind up on the shuttlecraft heading out, trying to, uh, to escape. They do a whole lot of dialogue rather than space battle action, trying to save on that CG budget. I get to be fair. Carr's like, Hey, look, I know their shield frequencies. We can like totally cheat like Star Trek generations and just hit these guys through the shields and, you know, disable their weapons or take out their propulsion or any of like other dozen things other than just fly around while they shoot at us until we have to crash land on a fucking planet. The part of this episode I hated, of course, as I've already mentioned is Chakotay and the fact that he is just almost pacifistic in not wanting to even attempt to disable the ship is, is one of many things that he does that strains credulity. In fact, he breaks it here in a couple of scenes, as far as I'm concerned with the dialogue they decide to give him. It's ridiculous. Um, but it makes no sense why he wouldn't even you know, like, Oh yeah, it hit me with those uh, shield frequency things. I'm going to hit their engines and then we get the fuck out of here. End of episode. Like, uh, Wait, you know, Joe, real quick, re- refresh my memory. Who is Chakotay? He's the first officer of of the Starship yeah, but, Voyager. Yeah, but before that, who was who, who Chakotay? Oh, um, I believe he is a wanted terrorist. Terrorist? Well, terrorist and pacifist, they both have the last few letters at the end. Oh, the, the, I mean, it's the same thing. Don't you fucking worry. I will, I, I will get on a soapbox and tell you exactly how I feel about them glossing over that he was a fucking terrorist, you know, a few months ago and in, in universe time. Sh- very shortly. Like, all of the all of the rage... Like, when they took the tumors out, they didn't take out my rage, okay? I am still filled with them, and I am ready and able to deploy it, but I'm, I'm waiting. I'm waiting just a little bit longer. Okay, well, let's uh, let's mosey things along. So this shuttlecraft gets fucking blown up. No big deal. I'm sure Voyager has an infant supply of these things. And right before it blows up, they get within like uh, could kind of make a transport to this M class planet, or maybe you just you know die in space. Luckily, Chakotay doesn't have a soul uh, weighing down his uh, transport weight, so he and Young Car get beamed down to the surface. Uh, and as we described earlier, luckily Chakotay has a tricorder on him. Why would he still have that during the whole scene on the Kazon ship? Like he could have very feasibly just grabbed a goddamn tricorder before they beamed. <laughs> it's ridiculous that he had it for that scene, but they get down and, uh, car lays down some info that this planet is a uh, Kazon training and that the whole place is booby trapped and that they're going to have to work together to get through this thing that uh, Carr is still real butthurt he didn't get killed and that he is probably going to just kill uh, Chakotay for shits and giggles. And Chakotay's all like, I love you and I'm going to save your life forever. You know, at some point I was expecting Father Figure by George Michael to start playing in the background. Uh, But absent that, of course, they're on another, yet another convenient Southern California looking planet. And they head into some caves that look like they're retread from uh, actually state of flux the seska caves where they have another bit of dialogue about their differences their their cultural differences and this is where things just completely fall apart for me and i hate everything that's coming out of chicote's mouth because chicote so car's line is that 
he wants to get his adult name, and the only way you can get an adult name in the Kazan uh, Ogla sect is you have to basically kill somebody and, and get your gangster street cred. Which I get. You know, it's uh, another like warrior ethos type of character trait. Mm-hmm. Um, and since these guys are sort of pseudo Klingons, it's a almost pseudo Klingon trait. Um, but what kills me is Chakotay is obviously supposed to be the voice of opposition against this violence. He's He's been essentially espousing nonviolence the entire time. And part of what he talks about is the value of his name, even though it was something that he was given at birth and didn't earn. And then he starts to talk about how much he cherishes his Federation uniform. Mm-hmm. And I went blind. The uniform rage. that he laid down to go be a terrorist. Yes. The very uniform that he decided to lay down to be a terrorist. And then in the next piece of dialogue, he says that his people learned that that land doesn't belong to anybody. Mind you, this man became a terrorist and laid down his precious uniform over a border dispute about what land belonged to who. Yeah. I mean, Jesus Christ, are the writers unaware of the history of the character they're writing for? This guy has literally done the exact opposite of what he said. This episode, there is nothing at all in continuity in this entire episode that would have any hint towards the fact that this dude was a Maquis former Starfleet officer. Like he is a Starfleet officer at full face value. 100% of this episode. Yeah. Like this, this only makes sense in a world where this character is Will Riker instead of Chakotay, because of all of the people on Voyager, this guy should be the one that's a 100% understanding of territory and, and home being so incredibly important that you're willing to fight for it. And B being willing to kill people for it. This fucking guy, he should be the one who's like, I get you, kid. I fucking understand you. Instead, they have him throughout with this absurd pacifistic mentality, won't fucking do anything to say. you like, let's his, sh- his shuttle get shot up like six times before he bothers to disable a car ship. He won't bother to disable the ship that is pursuing them when he's got the shield frequency to do so. And then stands there and tells this kid, yeah, no, I totally love this uniform and land doesn't belong to anybody and hippy dippy shit all day long. Fuck you. Chakotay, who was just, uh, what the shithead episode bragging about how he's got all these sweet Maquis super evasion tricks and that, you know, nobody can stay on his trail. The theme for season two so far between the 30. No, I guess it wouldn't be the, the theme because 37s didn't do it. But, you know, if we jump back to the season uh, finale of uh, Voyager one, uh, which was learning curve, it's the wrong person in the wrong episode. You got Tuvok shoehorned into a mentor uh, mutual understanding, emotional connection with uh, alien, not alien, but, uh, you know, foreign element. It should have been Janeway interacting with the Maquis uh, discipline problems. Okay. This one, you could have taken anybody other than Chakotay to espouse Federation morality and high laurels. And you put, you know, the the worst you put the worst possible person in learning curve as the lead character. You got the worst possible person in this initiations. I don't know what the next episode is yet, but that'll be our little game. It's going to be who is the worst person to plug into the situation. 
Um, and I agree with everything you said. So you cut back up to Voyager and they're following a, a cookie trail of blown up uh, shuttlecraft and remnants. I like that they have to like beam fragments of uh, these shuttlecraft onto the ship to examine that the the external sensors somehow aren't good enough to see very clear Federation markings on this shuttlecraft debris. You know, they, they do go, you know, science up uh, the, the solution pretty quickly that they got to go down to this planet and see what's going on. And mm-hmm. uh, uh, Janeway decides that she's going to go herself and Tuvok. What actually- the fuck was with that, man? Like, okay, your EXO is missing. You're going to leave and then you're going to take the next highest person. Like, why could Tuvok not just go do this goddamn thing? I was like, you're going to leave your sh- entire ship now with Lieutenant Convict. Yeah. And snarf, snarf. You're gonna leave. You're gonna leave the guy who was uh, sweating it out in a New Zealand prison camp, you know, eight months ago, in charge of your vessel because you want to charge off a, a, after your former terrorist first officer, along with you know the next person in the command tree. Great. I mean, I'm glad you got such confidence in sex offender Tom, but that doesn't seem like a tactically wise choice. Do you remember two episodes ago when I said that? Uh... Janeway was the worst character on Voyager. Uh, my opinion is not being swayed the better. She is a, perhaps the bigger saboteur between her and Neelix. I think she's she's really the one out there trying to get Voyager's mission to fail. It does lead to a fun scene, though. I do like the Tom, uh, you know, trying to assert his command authority only because uh, only to be thwarted by a space cat that got on the furniture and was feeling himself a little bit and decided to start like... He was very happy when he got on that chair, too. There was a real look of pride. Hey, li- listen, I know what my cat's face looks like when he's in places that he shouldn't be. And Neelix had that look on his face. And he uh, he starts feeling himself sitting in that chair. And like they have this this dialogue scene with the with the Kazon. Neelix is like, when I, when, I, when I finish killing everyone on the ship... With my uh, Inspector Gadget, Doctor Claw esque uh, <laughs> plots of vicious cheese and whatever <laughs> other nonsense I've gotten into, I'm going to enjoy taking this chair for my own and owning the most powerful ship in the sector. I thought he did a real yeah. I, the, their scene with the Kazon when they show up. Neelix is a shifty little fuck, man. He played his cards strong in that scene. Yeah, I liked it. Like, I like that Tom was just kind of unsure of his command authority because it's probably not something he's ever done before. And Neelix just kind of walks all over him and he he, he sort of lets him because it's working. So he's like, fuck it. <laughs> this is Neelix. Is- <laughs> fuck it. If this, if this cat, this garbage cat wants to have it out with these Kmart people, so be it. You know they have more depressing dialogue on the planet with with uh, with Carr talking about how he's pretty much completely fucked if he doesn't get his name, and the only way he gets his name is if he kills Chakotay. You know, he doesn't even really vet that as a as a possible outcome from like he's going through what's going to happen, and uh, Chakotay's like, well, you know, if we get off this planet, we're going to go. Can't you go to one of the other sects? And again, some of the cool Kazon world building that they gift on this episode he says no you know the other tribes will view me as an outcast and uh, protocol on an outcast is you catch him you cut a finger off and then you toss him on their way 
and uh, Chakotay is like, well, how many other cat or you know tribes are out there? And that's one of the cool things. Also, it it's really hurting me to go to these Kmart Klingons who we shit on all over the first season and actually give them you know respect points on this. Back when Chakotay was still on the vessel talking to the leader, Chakotay is like, you know, I didn't know this was your space. If I had a map, and they're like, our borders change daily, and we don't keep maps. And the same thing this kid says. Chakotay is like, well, how many, you know, sex are out there? And he's like 18, but that changes every day. Like, I really like the the chaos these uh, Kazan find themselves in. And it's again, like, it's another know, parallel with the with fucking uh, step people in, in Genghis Khan era. It's just they, they obviously drew inspiration from that. And yeah, we shit on them because they're worth shitting on a lot of the time. But this is the only time so far where the Kazan have come through with any fucking personality at all. Other than really sweet, poisonous decoder rings. Aside from that. So Chakotay, to my delight, is like, well, hey, you know, you could come with me. And I was like, all right, well, maybe they're going to do this. And he balks at the idea. It's like, well, you know, I don't want to go. Plus, you know, the closer we get to your home world, the further we are from mine. And it's like, well, if all your home world represents is cut off thumbs and index fingers like isn't that a pretty sweet deal for you hey um aaron einberg's guns can only be contained by one show at a time you cannot you cannot bring that gun show onto too many star trek properties it's just going to be too much you know i respect that i guess that's kind of a a cool benefit to working on star trek is you know we jump back to the jetral episode i can't remember that guy's name but you know he was uh, the romulan uh, admiral he was a Starfleet Admiral or something out of uh, Enterprise and a couple other really juicy roles. He was future Alexander Rojanko, I think, in the one episode. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're an alien and you've got prosthetics on your face, you can play so many different characters in Star Trek and nobody's going to bat an eye because, you know, it's a plausible different character under that mask. Yeah, I completely agree. And that's how they get away with with the reuses that you're talking about. I mean... So here was my big takeaway for the episode. They show Janeway and Tuvok down on the surfaces. They're kind of canvassing, looking for, um, you know, looking for Chakotay and this kid. And finally, on there's there's radiothermic bullshit or some stupid explanation as to why they can't get clear sensor readings. The transporters don't work. You can't communicate. Blah 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 blah. So they're they're searching the planet. They get some short range readings that there's uh, Kazon rolling up on them, and they're like, "Oh fuck!" So we're in season two now, right? And one of the cool things about Next Gen was each season that they would progress into, the budget would get bigger and cooler stuff would happen. New uniforms, new this, new that, new new set pieces. Voyager doesn't really have that luxury. They came in in the beginning with all their money and squandered it. But uh, you know, there's really no opportunities to grow things but i caught two very distinct things in this episode uh one they're rocking new tricorders they look a lot more smaller and sleeker with a lot more lights they're definitely not the next gen tricorders that they were using last season and then i also see they switched over to like the extra curved phasers that are like the type 2 vipers but they're curved to the point where they almost look like boomerangs I, I never cared for them. I I, uh, I definitely noticed what you're saying about the tricorder because the bottom piece is much thinner. Yes. That was what was super noticeable was the bottom piece was 
was significantly thinner, and I agree that they they upped their prop game a bit from from the early uh, TNG stuff. So, what really drew my attention to it though was when they're up on the rocks and like, oh shit, the Kazon are coming. We better get ready. I noticed nobody's rocking phaser dick anymore. <laughs> like they specifically designed these props. The phasers actually have, uh, and I could see you know my my big screen TV. The phasers have like full mold holsters that when they clip the phaser into place, instead of just being a Velcro tab dangling oddly off the front of them like an erect penis, these things actually curve around their hip. And it's probably why they're as curved as they are. Uh, and I was so interested. I'm like, so they've got new phasers and new tricorders. Like, I actually looked that stuff up before the show. This is like all brand new Federation technology that gets rolled out in uh, Deep Space Nine since they're running like concurrently. And it's like, all right, so Voyager out in the middle of nowhere somehow gets the uh, the upgrade alert and starts printing off all the new cutting-edge Federation technology out in the Delta Quadrant. Well, you it know, looks cool, so I guess at the end of the day, that's all that really matters, but pretty big inconsistency for the show. They probably just had, you know, they were using up the old ones before they got into the new stash. You know how it is. You know, you've got your, you've got the new replacements on standby, but you can get a couple more months out of the old ones. You know, you use those up first. I get it. I get it. They always had them. That's my head cannon. I'm sticking mm. to it. Damn it. They had a meeting sometime between the two. I'm like, you know, I'm tired of everything. I walk into people thinking my, <laughs> the crew as a collective got tired of that. Is that a phaser strapped to the front of you? Just happy to see me. The, eventually on the surface, the uh, Scooby Squad encounters the Kazon who front as if they are helping McHelpersons. Unsurprisingly, this is a terrible trap. And even more unsurprisingly than that, Janeway falls into that trap. Janeway the Trap Queen? Yes! Once again! You know, it's like we knew this would keep coming up. It was a pretty legit trap, let's be fair. Like, the, the Tricor readings, like, they're like, hey, uh, you know... We're going this general direction. The case on like, oh, what wonderful toys you have would be a strong throwback to uh, Bob, <laughs> Bob's boss, the Joker, who says my. W- Can we go with that for our titles? Uh, what wonderful toys? Sure. Yes, got, that'll be. A- I got okay. you, man. Absolutely. But uh, he's like, hey, look, we should go this way, and then Tuvok's like, eh, my sensor's showing uh, high uh, shit over there, and we should go to the left, and then uh, the Kazon dudes like. And this is like Kazon Mega Boss, right? Yeah. The, what, what is it, what's the what's their captain rank? First mage, first mage. Yeah. Uh, he's like my my. I apologize. My uh, my dude is trying to deceive you. We should go this. And I don't think he says we should go this way. He's just like I think my guy's trying to deceive you. And the Starfleet on their own is like, all right, we'll keep going to the right. I thought that was a pretty pretty crafty trap. Like it's not like it takes a lot of effort to trap. These guys. These guys have been trapped by the Vidians. They have been trapped by the Kazon. They have been. Uh, they were trapped by the Skevians for two weeks. They were trapped by the Skevians. They, they, uh, they even almost got trapped by the Thirty Sevens and like the the fucking BDSM Southern California aliens that were humans. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's a low bar. It's a low bar to to to. to they got trapped by the shitheads by way of uh, Tom Paris. It's true. Everybody. Oh. Mm, damn Voyager. Uh, I thought it was a legit trap in this case, though. And uh, meanwhile, back in the cave, uh, communications have been reestablished. And um, Chakotay knows that Starfleet's coming. And 
because unfortunately Carr's got a contract with DS9 and can't stick around on Voyager, uh, he's going to have to go home and Chakotay being the nice, not at all a terrorist that he is, decides that he's going to do this kid a solid and basically fake his own death so this uh, car guy can get some Kazon street credit and hopefully get his name and be accepted back into the Kazon Olga without uh, having to lose any fingers in the process. So he radios over and says, tell uh, Sick Bay to get ready for a code white and then throw him back to some season one pure necromancy informs Carr that uh, Federation technology is able to resuscitate anybody who is less than two minutes brain dead. I, I appreciate that he tried to call ahead to make sure that the doctor's raised dead was not on cooldown. He mm-hmm. was ready to, he's ready to, and willing to cast. We've hit this so many times already. The ridiculousness of the idea that somehow Federation medical technology has reached the point where they can bring people who are back from brain dead. Okay. At least we're, at least we're like laying down some, some rules. Like there's a time limit and some shit like that. Like, I guess that's an improvement, but I still think it's, uh, it's almost, it's almost genre breaking for them to have that level of medical technology. But Chakotay is willing to, like I said, to do this kid a solid. And it's worth pointing out that during one of these cave scenes, Chakotay was uh, pretending to be asleep. Car rolled up on him, took the tricorder, turned it off, and had a gun right on Chakotay's head and could have dusted him right there in his sleep, and he didn't. So, uh, you know, we, we, we've become pretty fond of Car up to this point. The Starfleet, who had been trapped in a bubble, uh, end up shooting their way out. Surprise, surprise with their mega blasters. The Kazon show up right as uh, Carr's got a gun pulled on Chakotay in this little staged, uh, I don't know what you want to call it. You know, he's, he's going to put on a good show. Starfleet shows up and you've got not quite a Mexican standoff, but all eyes on what Carr's going to do. And uh, Carr starts playing wrong with, along with Chakotay's plan, saying that, you know, I only came out here to uh, be able to kill him and regain my honor. But you know what, uh, mentor type figure, as you've told me so many times, you can't atone for failure in the battlefield. And then in what I thought was a very surprising move and very <laughs> impressive for a piece of Voyager storytelling, instead of blasting Chakotay for the easy uh, plot resolution, spins on his heel and uh, shoots his mentor dead. Yeah, it was a very gangster move. I I really liked that's what they went with is the resolution instead of allowing this very, the very predictable ending go through of the, oh, I really killed him and there wasn't really any consequences at the end, which I, you know, I, I really thought was actually going to happen. I didn't remember the end. But the fact that he turned on on who we, at the beginning, were given the impression might have been a family figure at the very least was a mentor figure and just turns around and just shoots him dead and then tells the the next guy in charge all right now you're in charge brother so you that's bob yeah he, he hazine uh bob from batman 89 he turns him and says uh look you can do with me what you want but you're in charge now because i just killed your boss and hooked you up and uh you can just kill me dead here and gain nothing or uh, I'll basically swear the blood oath to you and follow you into battle whenever. And, and uh, Bob... Bob makes him his number one guy. <laughs> Bob's like, 
I can appreciate the value of a good henchman. I'm going to give you a second chance and uh, you're cool to go. And Carr goes up to uh, Chakotay and he's, you know, gives him the standard, uh, you know, we might've been friends here, but if I ever see you in a Kazan space again, I'm going to kill you. Now his back was to Bob at this point. I was really hoping the camera would pan around. You'd see like this kid's face as uh, Chakotay still on his knees and see this kid like very, uh, very, uh, overboard, like silently mouth. Thank you. <laughs> You're great. Thanks, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, so he lays out this warning, like, you know, if I see you again, I'm going to get you. And it makes me wonder if we're going to get to see the car character again at any point out in space. And if, you know, he's going to make good on his pro or the words here and genuinely go for the throat or if uh, Starfleet has a legit friend now somewhere in the Kazon power structure. Bad news. This is our, this is, it ends here. We never see anything about this ever again. What do we keep saying about Voyager squandered opportunity? Yeah. I mean, you know, got a quality performance, some good background and some interesting Kazon material and nothing. They don't do anything with any of this crap. And the episode wraps on a little bit more fake Indian bullshit, and he's doing his... Which you might notice is taking place. Now all of a sudden, Chakotay's not too good to go pray in his room. Yeah, now it's okay. Now he can just do it in his quarters. Whatever. Everything that Aaron Eisenberg did in this episode was great, and uh, I, uh, I I loved Carr. I loved all the K's on history, backstory, yeah. Uh, yeah. both said and shown. Um, I thought it's did a love lot. the space cat diplomacy. I loved space cat diplomacy, but uh, you said it uh, exactly correct. Um, another perfect example of the wrong character is the focus, and another example of a missed opportunity of creating a richer, uh, more layered backstory that they could they could return to on this show in some way, either by adding uh, supporting players, recurring characters. Uh, or or better sense of continuity, and it's it's a real fucking shame because this is the show that I think would have benefited the most from it, and it's the only one they didn't do it. You know, even yeah. even TNG, which had only a small amount of it, had the right amount of it with the Klingons and with the Romulans and recurring antagonists therein, and some of the supporting characters that we got to know on the ship itself, and Enterprise too had a ton of recurring serial plot lines as the show went on and what happened previously really built on what happened later instead of real isolated episodes. If Voyager seems like it would be the perfect place for you to tell a story of the ship traveling through the Delta Quadrant and fundamentally changing everything around them as they went and gaining allies and enemies that reoccur with more frequency and picking people up on the ship who buy into their vision and yet again, another opportunity to do something with that. And they just don't do anything with it. It's just a one shot and they just move on and that's it. And you're talking about, you know, fleshing out backgrounds better. The whole thing you just laid out about the complete disservice to the Chakotay character where they completely ignore and invalidate his entire backstory they do. by his activities and actions here. Like just uh, it's it's boggling. Shockingly. It's baffling. It's absolutely baffling the dialogue they give him in this. It's it, and it, there's no reflection from him that explains it. Like it's not like yeah. he is been coming to this realization that you know he did the wrong thing to fight for the Maquis and he really wanted to stay. Like 
There's nothing to suggest that this yeah, is Yeah, it could have been felt. like, it pained me to have to, you know, do these terrible things because of my pacifistic roots. But uh, yeah, it, you could have gone a million different ways and said you just ignored it and fucked it all up. Um, overall, what do you feel about the episode? I mean, it's an improvement over your 37s, but that's, uh, to say it for the third time, not a high bar. Maybe that should be the name of our fucking episode. Not a high bar. Um, the Kazon stuff's good, and... I was interested in that and it, it kept me v- very much interested in the beginning and, and even after Chakotay just infuriated in that. <laughs> and after, even after Chakotay did his wet diary all over the episode, it still like had me interested enough to see it through uh, in an engaged fashion. Um, but another wasted opportunity, another sh- you know, fucked up ending um, and more of the same from the Voyager writers, and I'm just not hopeful we're going to turn it around. I liked it. Uh, some very obvious weaknesses in it, but uh, they did some really great, probably some of the best world building I've seen in the series so far. Um, some new uh, ship interiors, a nice view into the Kazon. Uh, great guest stars. A genuinely surprising ending on two counts. One, I thought they could have brought a, a good new crew member on board and two uh, cars about face to kill a mentor rather than the safe play of uh, staging a death on Chakotay. Uh, pretty strong. So as uh, we continue to eat this Voyager shit sandwich, I'm getting really good at choosing what bites I want to take and what to kind of leave behind on my plate and and. And that I think I'm leveling up on my Voyager watching skills and reducing the pain I'm going through here. Coming up next, Season 2, Episode 3 is called Projections. The program for the emergency medical hologram is activated due to what the computer describes as a ship-wide emergency. That sounds pretty fucking cool. Uh, This is a very, very good episode. Um, I think it's probably because of who directed it. Jonathan Frakes. Uh oh. And we've get our first uh uh TNG cameo. Crossover. Crossover. Yeah. I'm very excited about this, but uh we made a promise already. Uh if we're gonna go along with a new motif for Voyager, who is the worst person to insert into any scene to fix a problem? So I trust in what you're saying that this is gonna be a great episode, but if we're gonna play this game. If we've got a medical hologram emergency, hmm, I think Chicote is going to be our best fit for the worst person to really <laughs> somehow focus on uh, on resolution for that. Who would your vote be? Uh, Neelix. But uh, a very strong, yeah, someone who's completely unfamiliar with the intricacies of hollow engineering. Yeah, like Chicote uh, could have like some rational reason to be doing it because he's a starfleet officer but neelix would have no business doing this whatsoever but it's a doctor episode as you might imagine so mm-hmm. we're in good hands in many ways coming up here yeah i'll look forward to us both being wrong and being rewarded with a pretty cool episode i think we're we're, we're due for a very strong one so we fucking are <laughs> uh you know i'm gonna go ahead and say uh Rest in peace, uh, season one. Season two looks like it's off to a, a good start if we exclude the terribleness of the 37s. Another big uh, RIP, rest in peace, Phaser Dick. Yes, rest in peace, Phaser Dick. Uh, rest in peace, yet another fabulous uh, 
potential continuity uh, supporting character. Um, and to us, rest, uh, not rest in peace, but farewell to Aaron Eisenberg's uh, built arms. May the gun yeah. show uh, return to DS9 where it can be built to best use. Um, if uh, nothing else, Voyager has proven itself to be a slave to its own weaknesses. Uh, and in much the same way that Voyager can't seem to get some some basic cool shit right, nor can uh, Carr ultimately shut off the burden of ignorance in the Kazon and go off to Lightman and the Federation. I'm going to give you the fittingly, you know, given his dual nature as uh, Nog over in Deep Space Nine, the 217th rule of acquisition. You can't free a fish from water. Uh, you know, that's actually... Of all the ones you've laid out, that that feels right for this episode. I like that one, Peter. Well done. Um, uh, on that note, uh, thank you for listening to V'ger, please. A hateful voyage through the Delta Quadrant. My name is Joseph. I'm Peter. Thanks for spending an hour with us. An hour plus, and uh, we will set you adrift on the fine recording uh, recorder stylings of uh, uh, Ian and Sarah. See you next week. Peace. <laughs>